Blog Talk Radio. Unity of Aragani. 
Moja. Yes, indeed. <laughs> What's the word? What's happening? Umoja. I um, am a member of Facebook, those of you who may not know uh, that I am. And what I do is I post on my Facebook page uh, each day of uh, Kwanzaa. Indeed, Umoja representing unity to strive for and maintain unity in the family, community, nation, and race throughout the African diaspora and beyond. The next day is Kujijakalia, which means to define ourselves, to name ourselves, to create for ourselves, and to speak for ourselves. Then comes Ujima, which is collective work and responsibility. I must go back to Kujijakalia, which represents self-determination which I gave you the definition. Ujima means collective work and responsibility, which represents the effort to build and maintain our community together and make our brothers and sisters' problems our problems and to solve them together. Ujima, cooperative economics, to build and maintain our own stores, shops, and other businesses and to profit from them together. Nia, purpose, to make our collective vocation the building and developing of our community in order to restore our people to their traditional greatness. Humba, creativity, to do always as much as we can and the way we can in order to leave our community and more beautiful and beneficial than we inherited it. Imani, faith, last but not least believe with all our heart and our people, our parents, our teachers, our leaders, and the righteousness and victory of our struggle. Our brother Milana Karanda created this holiday along with other brothers and sisters. They met um, every day for weeks, and I was blessed, my wife and I both, to know one of the, uh, uh, the people who joined uh, Karanga and the creation of this holiday, brother, brother uh, Inwamu, and his first name happens to be my first name, which is Wesley, and we developed a friendship, and going back some years, I think beginning back in 2011, if I'm not mistaken, so I have a special affinity for this, this celebration. It's not just whimsical in my behalf, I, I actually had the honor and, and the uh, opportunity to actually converse, if not personally, on the phone and through the uh, internet with those who are directly involved. So I humbly uh, give great gratitude to those who listen to this program and to uh, share as much as I can on whatever level and degree that I'm able to, to share this information about a holiday that will be practiced uh, for generations to come. That is my prayer, and I'm optimistic that that will happen. Uh, I also would have to mention the fact that we have a brother who has become an ancestor as of today, that being Bishop Desmond Tutu. Uh, he was a champion, a spiritual warrior of sorts. Uh, he was born in October uh, of 1931 and passed away today. Uh, he was a South African uh, Anglican bishop and theologian 
known for his work as an anti-apartheid and human rights activist. He was the Bishop of Johannesburg from 1985 to 1986, and then became Archbishop of Cape Town from 1986 to 1996. In both cases, during the first black African to hold the position, theologically, he sought to fuse the ideas from black theology and African theology. Desmond Tutu was born in a mixed Exoxa community, and it was heritage to a poor family in South Africa. Entering adulthood, he trained as a teacher and he got married. And he had four children, and he was ordained as an Anglican priest, and, and in 1962 moved to the United Kingdom to study theology. I'm not going to read his whole bio, but I just wanted to mention the fact that indeed he was very close with Nelson Mandela. I had the pleasure of uh, becoming a friend of a brother named Yusi, who was also an ancestor, who was known here in, in Brooklyn, New York, as a, a teacher and community activist, and he started a community or an organization called the East. And he was primarily responsible for having Nelson Mandela uh, visit the United States, making Boys and Girls High School, located here in Bedside, Brooklyn, New York, as his first stop. I had the pleasure of being a parade marshal while his motorcade drove by uh, Fulton Street here in Brooklyn to the high school. And it was such an uh, exhilarating experience to be part of that energy. And of course, uh, from there, I became knowledgeable of the life of Bishop Tutu. Some other time, I will have a show that will be devoted to him. And I hope that indeed uh, that would be of interest. I would also like to state that, indeed, I'd like to uh, review from where we left off about uh, Maladoma Somme's book, Of Order and the Spirit. Those of you who may be tuning in for the first time will be interested in knowing that the late uh, Dr. Maladoma introduces uh, us to, uh, by his book, the readers to the rituals that breathed meaning into the daily lives of African seekers. He was educated in the West, and Dr. Somoyi held three masters and two PhDs and was the author of four books, perhaps more since the update of this particular bio. The uh, Water and the, uh, the Spirit was the first book that I read by him, and with that book I had the pleasure of meeting him in Harlem, New York, at the Harriet Tubman Junior High School. And uh, he signed the book, and, and he greeted me with this expression, we've been waiting for you. He, I had a very special feeling when I met him. My wife and I actually also uh, collectively had the, the pleasure of having him as a house guest and for about four days. And during that period, he was giving divinations to his clients or brothers and sisters who came to have the services of his spiritual knowledge and insight. I also had the pleasure of him giving me a, 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 a divination, and he concluded with my efforts that I shared with him about uh, wanting to promote the African drum. He concluded that I should indeed take this endeavor, and I've been doing that ever since. I've played the drum unofficially at uh, Barack Obama's 
uh, inauguration uh, in Washington. I played at various churches and weddings and uh, burial ceremonies. And, and I've also had the pleasure of playing at, at a few schools. So I'm looking forward to many more opportunities to share the importance that uh, we should have a drum in every school, which was inspired to me by uh, uh, the late Audrey Davis, who also was a guest at one of my, uh, at my stepson's school, actually. Uh, and he indicated that he wanted to talk about the drum specifically about the fact that the drum was the first instrument that was taken from our ancestors when we were brought here from Africa as slaves. And they did that for various reasons, to disrupt the ritual uh, within our community of communicating with the other side, communicating with our ancestors, communicating with the Most High, and communicating with each other to send messages. As a matter of fact, the drum preceded the telegraph in terms of code. And uh, that's something that's not discussed enough. So I, I'd like to definitely be part of the, uh, the, the, the community of musicians that see the importance of bringing the drum to the front, if you will, so that that would be a, a natural part of our uh, family and community uh, engagement with one another. When the baby is born, you should have a drummer uh, to perform a, a drumming ceremony. When someone becomes an ancestor, we should have a drummer uh, performing uh, a, a ritual drum rhythm to acknowledge that, uh, that particular event. And any event, major event, that happens in between birth and transition, from weddings to uh, graduations uh, to all the holidays that we celebrate within our particular uh, area of, of, of spiritual interest, and, and to just make that a norm, because the drum represents the highest essence of who we are uh, as, as human beings, because the first rhythm that we heard, of course, was indeed our mother's heartbeat. So I, I, I actually am so excited about the fact that we have uh, a, a renewed interest in our music being transformed from lower self-orientation to higher self-awareness. I'd also like to mention that uh, in the book titled of Water, uh, The Healing Wisdom of, of, of Africa, that the, the Gara community, which is Maldomi's village, they actually practice acknowledging the five elements uh, of cosmology within the earth. And the, the, the earth being one of the uh, elements, which happens to be the, the element that uh, is connected with the sign of Capricorn. And of course, those of you know that uh, this is the period for Capricorn, uh, being the, the date of the 26th, that I was just amazed after reviewing this information that uh, the earth, according to uh, Baba Maladoma, the earth symbolizes the mother on whose lap everyone finds a home. And that includes nourishment, support, comfort, and empowerment, representing the principle of inclusion. 
Earth is the, is the ground upon which we identify ourselves and others. It is what gives us identity and its sense of belonging, produced as a result of the encounter between fire and water, Earth represents survival and healing, unconditional love and caring. Earth loves to give and gives love abundantly. In other words, Earth cares as much for the crooked as it does for the honest. Both of them are allowed to walk on her. In the Dagara cosmological wheel, Earth is located in the center and is colored yellow. The central position of the will stresses the importance of visibility. Earth is the power to notice, to see, and to thrill in being seen. He goes on to say that the person who is of Earth is a lover of the world, of the Earth. Unlike water, which seeks a way always towards one place, the ocean, Earth finds comfort everywhere anywhere, and loves to give it. Earth people, or people with a lot of energy, earth energy, are nurturers who, like all grandmothers, want everybody to feel fed, content, and respected, and loved. Earth people can't stand the presence of scarcity. They would give away everything they had before they give anything to themselves. Making others feel good makes them feel good. The earth person takes care of other people spiritually, maturely, and emotionally. A person without earth is in crisis or is homeless and in exile. Such a person has lost his or her grounding. A person without earth feels empty, alone, and confused. She and he suffers from invisibility, and, and as a result, the unbearable situation can cause a whole culture to sell homes or parcels of earth to each other. This is because home is symbolic or the literal sense is the basic ground for identity. If you remove people's home from them and then offer it to them for sale, people will have to buy it because being homeless is un unbearable. Thus, pieces of our mother have entered into our trade system with great success. In this way, Western culture feels odd in front of homelessness. It is why it doesn't know what to do with those people who can't find economic expectations. Land and earth are now commodity, and this fact will not change. And Malagoma goes on to point out that here is the development of industrial economics, and this movement of vast numbers of people into cities has not changed the essential connection between human beings and the earth that engendered them. It has only caused them to forget. When the people of a culture no longer remember that they are but a thread of the web of life on earth, then they will become homeless. Building community is difficult. It's not impossible. If people have lost contact with the ground as a point of strength, but it is only from the piece of grounding and centeredness, centeredness that anyone can give something back to their world and to their community. Without grounding, people will tend to take as much from the world as possible since they are missing the nourishment of earth that earth offers. Yet after they have gained all the material needs they need, 
they will still feel uncertain about themselves, which indicates that they have not yet felt invited to give something to the world. To make without prior giving is like putting the cart ahead of the horse. You are not grounded. And deep down, you do not know where you come from, and therefore you are unsure about where you are going. Why? Because earth, the spiritual shrine of our being, is the center of beings deeply human. So that's interesting, as uh, Maladoma illustrates the essence of being grounded, and that's something that's missing within our community. Uh, my wife and I try to practice as much as possible to be grounded. If not through the plants that we have in our home, um, we even uh, will tend to go out into the backyard to touch the, the earth, as it were, and I know that I've always had an affinity for the earth in my uh, early uh, manhood years because I took up running, and I enjoyed running in the park. I didn't realize back then what the essence of that enjoyment was other than loving nature and being close to nature, but it was being in the proximity, close proximity of earth. Even though I wore running shoes, which separated my feet, being directly connected to the earth. Occasionally, I would take them off, and after a run especially, and take off my socks and, 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 and touch the ground with my feet. But I know that, indeed, uh, having rubber soles is a lot more connectivity happening than walking on asphalt uh, uh, cement, which is what most of us who live here in the inner city in, in the city like New York City, we very seldom have contact with the earth. As indeed, we very seldom even think about the earth. So uh, that's something that I, I'd like to talk about in the future because there is this uh, symbiotic and this uh, connectivity that's very important for us to have in terms of maintaining our health, uh, mind, body, and spirit. So I'm going to take a short break now, and I'll be back with you uh, very shortly. Thank you for holding on, and, and we're back. And as I was mentioning, we were talking about one of the five elements that is embraced by the Daigara cosmological um, spiritual understanding of life. And I find that to be very exciting. I mean, it's really a lot to talk about when you 
talk about those elements. And uh, the fact that uh, Maladoma, he used those elements with doing his divinations. Yes, he did. And I guess, I'm just taking a guess, that he would ascertain what element, the person that he was doing the divination for. He might have asked them their, their date of birth, and from there he might have determined that element, or he might just sort of look at them and felt their energy? Well, I actually had the privilege of hanging out in the wings when Maladoma was doing divination. Yes. So I'm familiar. I, I don't know his technique to personally do it, but he used a plethora of spiritual artifacts mm -hmm. when he was doing his divinations, and he would mix them up. Mm -hmm. And I observed, like, like what it was, what it was, just to give a quick recap of the story, as we, had, as we had mentioned to our audience previously, I was very sick at that time, and I had lost a lot of my eyesight. Mm -hmm. And I had asked Maladoma if I could be in the room when he was doing divinations, and he said yes. But he said we'd have to ask the client, and the client said no. <laughs> they just they didn't want me in there. So our kitchen is next to our temple where Maladoma was doing divinations, and I was kind of like, you know, I look to keep it transparent. I was spying, okay, <laughs> on the divinations, and I noticed that what Maladoma would do, he had he had many objects. Right. Um, Yes, yes, yes. In the curry artifacts, shells. he had curry shells, yes. he had pieces of metal, he had crystals, mm -hmm. he had very, uh, just very, but he had feathers. Keys. Yes. Metal. And he would mix up these artifacts and he would um, ask the client to select something. Mm -hmm. So the client, so he knew based on the energy of each artifact, he was able to determine the energy of the client. Yes. And uh, so, so that's kind of how he did that. But I know you were talking, or at least that was what I saw. He probably had several different methods in his arsenal. And I shouldn't even say that because maybe he didn't. Right. Because if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Absolutely. If you have a system or a technique, you know, you tend to use it mm -hmm. because you know that that system works. Right. So that might have been the system. I don't know, but I was, you know, I was grateful to be hovering around and be able to, <laughs> absolutely, because I had wanted him to teach me, and that's why he said that he didn't mind as long as, as the client didn't mind, but the client said no. <laughs> so anyway, when we talk about, um, when we talk about the elements, and, uh, I know you were talking about grounding and being grounded. Yes. And you were talking about the earth element in that respect. And what comes to mind as well is our first chakra. Ah, yes. Because that is the, that is the grounding chakra, yes. our root chakra. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is associated with our relationship to our stability in this earth as well as in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And so if, if the energy is amiss in that chakra for whatever reason, you will find that you have those types of insta instabilities, um, disruptions in your life, unable to, unable to move forward, being stuck, mm 
yes. um, feeling like you're just kind of out there by yourself because you don't have that grounded essence. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's what comes to my mind when you talk about um, the, you know, the earth. It's very, it's very, uh, it's very significant. And when you think of it, there, there are little cliches and different things. Uh, people sometimes talk about another person such as, oh, they walk around like they don't have both feet on the ground and, you know, things like that. Like they're floating. When you, yeah. when you think of it, mm-hmm. when you think of it, a lot of expressions have a, a spiritual framework, and we don't realize it because we inherit these expressions. We hear friends or family or maybe even uh, someone in the media use different expressions, and they make sense on an intellectual level, and we don't think to go further spiritually and uh and talk about that. Grounding is so important. You had me talking about about chakras, but now I'm going to talk about crystals because yes. there, there are several stones that tend to be grounding stones for us, and maybe um, maybe I could convince you to do a show about crystals, Absolutely. do an episode about crystals Absolutely. one day. But uh, for those of you that might be interested in uh, a grounding stone, if you feel like you need that extra support, especially if, you know, maybe a loved one might have just passed away. You might have just failed an exam. There might be something going on at your job. Try to get a hold of a uh, a grounding stone such as a geode or mm-hmm. such as a tektite. There are different types of tektites, but um, the black tektites are very grounding. They help you to feel grounded. Uh, stones like black tourmaline, they're grounding stones and they're also protective stones. Hematite is another good one. Yes. So I just I just wanted to mention those things. And, and when you do a, an episode or maybe a series on on crystals, um, crystal crystalology, ah, the yes. study of crystals. Yes, yes, that's. That's something that we will do. I, I know it's actually called, uh, there's actually the term mineralogy, mm-hmm. the study of minerals. Um, minerals can be crystals, but not all crystals are necessarily minerals. Right. So there, there's a lot to it. And uh, I don't know if my husband might have mentioned in previous episodes, but we're, we're both certified crystal healers. Yes. And we use... Uh, we use the energy. What that is is we use the energy of crystals to assist others in allowing the innate healing abilities of their body to become more active and more productive because we personally don't do the healing, and we make that clear when we talk about these biofield energies such as crystals and chakras and Reiki and pranic healing, the person is not doing, is not the healer. It's the energy. We relinquish. We allow ourselves to be used as a vessel yes. to, for the universal Absolutely. universal life force energy mm-hmm. to flow through us. Mm-hmm. We're just a vessel. Mm-hmm. And that energy flows through us, comes from the universe, flows, flows through us, and passes on to the client. So I just wanted to... To mention that, and I, I want to just also emphasize, and I'm happy to share that, hun, mm-hmm. that uh, I drummed at the African Burial Ground during a interment ceremony here in Wall Street, New York, 
And it was then that I found out, uh, based simultaneously from my wife and from reading, that the uh, ancestors had crystals in their hands. Oh, yeah. And they were so buried. A lot of people, who, when we say crystal, they associate it. They associate that with New Age or paganism, uh, paganism or and so forth. Something. But no, this is no. Not, this, this has is real. been uh, a reality within the African culture for thousands of years. Yes. All right. So this is not just conjecture. And I must also uh, say that anything that you hear on our show is for not just entertainment purposes only, but uh, if they're health related, it's educational. It's educational and what we practice, my wife and I and family, what we practice. We recommend that you consult with your medical doctor, Absolutely. your lawyer, your accountant, licensed and everyone, licensed professionals, before you engage in anything that you hear on our show. Uh, with that being said, because the show is just about time to, to, to end, uh, we'd like to recommend uh, that you find ways of grounding yourself by spiritual cleansing, which can be used by saging and other modalities. I recommend that you go to Google, and, and be proactive. Do your own due diligence so you can find out the, the ways in which you can cleanse yourself and, yeah. and, and incorporate within your, your life, uh, uh, within your life experience every day. And a very natural grounding process, and again, consult with your doctor. Mm-hmm. I, I, I would do this. I don't have a problem doing this, but I just want to mention it because here in New York City, it is winter time. Yes. But grounding, very easy way to ground. Take your shoes and socks off, go outside and put your feet on the earth, not on cement. Right. The earth, the dirt. If you're near a park or if you have a backyard in your home, mm-hmm. shoes and socks off, sit there and, you know, like really push your feet into the dirt mm-hmm. and stay that way. You know, as as long as you can, it's not going to harm you unless, like I said, it's, you know, very cold weather here in New York City. So I'm not going to tell anybody else to do that, even though I would. I don't have a problem doing that. But, um, but yeah, but, you know, speak with your, again, speak with a licensed medical practitioner, because even though that sounds like a simple thing, someone might have a condition that prevents them from being able to do that. So we're not going to diagnose or say you should or you shouldn't, but these are, what we talk about are things that are available to you, mm-hmm. and we personally find them to be useful. There are also grounding mats that you can purchase on Amazon, yes. which um, it simulates that process. Mm-hmm. It simulates that process, so you could Google grounding mats. Yes. And there's a company that's been around for many years that, that uh, manufactures and uh, distributes them. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Well, with that being said, again, we thank you so much for tuning in as always. Uh, we will be back with you again next week at 6.30, Sunday evening. And we will continue from where we left off. I want to again thank you so much. We thank the Most High for allowing us to be able to air this show. Uh, we thank the ancestors who have given us inspiration and the shoulders to stand upon so that indeed we can engage in this endeavor. We give thanks to our family members, and we give thanks to our friends and those associates within our community. So again, uh, peace and love, namaste, shalom, hetepu, alafia, and peace and love.